0: We are Tales from the Shadows, the podcast where the shadow girls get together, talk about stories, storytelling and other weird things. My name is Emily Collins.
1: My name is Georgia Dorley.
0: <laughs> and my name's Orla Devlin. And Shanoni Nuland will be joining us at some stage because we've recorded this in two parts. You might have heard the first part already. I don't know which part is coming first. <laughs> Woo. It's amusing. a big surprise. Yeah. So this episode is... A bit weird because it's like time travel. Yeah. Because we're recording on Wednesday. We're doing a show on Thursday, which we're talking about. And you might be listening to this on Friday. What year is it? <laughs> I don't know. So it's, uh, it's very, very, very confusing for thinking. So um, we do puppet shows with storytelling. Mm-hmm. And the show that we will be doing slash have done <laughs> yeah. is one in the National Gallery of Ireland to help celebrate the 25th anniversary of the finding of the Carvaggio painting The Taking of the Christ. And we're helping the celebrations by coming in telling some stories and doing some shadow puppetry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And we're going to be telling you the stories that we are going to do. So if you happen to be at the show liked us, you might be hearing some stories you've already heard but they're so good that obviously you yeah. want to hear them again so <laughs> yes. it's fun. <fine>. yes <laughs> and each story it's inspired by painting either by Caravaggio or by his followers because he he pioneered this very dramatic style of chiaroscuro light and dark which is why shadow puppets are being brought in because we use light and shadow light and dark light
2: and dark see it all ties in it all <laughs> ties in
0: it's all totally connected <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, um, Ola. since you're telling actually two stories Do mm-hmm. you want to tell your most well, suitable story first?
2: Yeah, okay, I will So we, we're doing two shows tomorrow slash yesterday uh, One will be for children And then the other one will be of more of an adult nature So mm-hmm. uh, that's why I'm telling two different stories <laughs> um, I'll start off with um, the child-friendly one It's David and Goliath Woo-hoo. Woo! Woo! Uh, which i'm sure some of you know already but here's my version i believe there's a simpsons episode of it there is Bart david isn't he yeah yeah he plays goliath who do they show Uh, nelson is it nelson (laughs) Nelson. (laughs) that works brilliantly uh okay so a long time ago there were two warring lands one was the land of giants And the other, the land of man. The war had been raging for years and years. And finally, king of the giants, Goliath, shouted over the border. Tiny humans, if you can find one man who is strong and brave to fight me, I will declare this war over. So, the humans, they were. They went searching all over the land with a special king's aide trying to find someone who was strong and brave enough to take on Goliath. But no one would. Everyone knew that Goliath was unbeatable. No one would take him on at all. So in his desperation, the king's aide tried knocking on his last stop, which was just a simple farm. Knocked on the door. And this farmer opened. Please, farmer, please, I am on a national hunt to try and find someone who will fight Galalias. Do you have any sons who are strong and brave? The farmer answered. "Er, yes, i have got a few now. Uh, what you looking for specifically? Uh, we, we need someone who's strong and brave, farmer. Please, can you help us save our land? And so... The farmer calls in his three eldest sons, who are strong and brave and they're showing off their muscles and they're flexing. King's aide says, brilliant, can one of you please go on and fight? And of course the boys, thinking this be great crack, they were like, yeah, of course, no bother to me, bye. But then, when the King's aide said who they'd be fighting, the boys just turned pale. All the blood ran from their faces. They began shivering and without even a word, they ran back into the house. Dismayed, the king's aide asks again. Farmer, please, do you have any more sons? This is our last chance. The farmer goes back in, brings out his three middle sons, who are a little bit smaller, but just as eager. They're flexing their muscles and they're showing off. But the same thing happens once they hear who they'll be fighting. They just run back into the house without a word. Absolutely heartbroken, the king's aide asks one more time. Please, 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 do you have anyone else? Do you know anyone else who could take him on? And the farmer says. "Er, yes, I've got one more out the back there now. He, uh, he'd be small enough, like, but I'll go ask anyway. And so he goes back in and he brings out his youngest son, David, who's not strong. Who's not big. But he's at the country's last chance. So the king's aide asks him, "'Please, young boy, I know this may be a difficult task for you, "'but do you think you could take on the great king Goliath?' And David, being a smart, brave young boy, says, "'Yeah, yeah, of course, I'll do it.' And his dad tried to stop him, but says, "'Dad, no, I mean, I'm fighting all them lions and tigers there on the farm. "'Sure I'll be grand.' And so, young David and the king's aide go off to the capital city to take on the giant. The king's aide, not being a stupid man, knows that David is going to be killed within a second of the fight. So he tries to give him some armor to put on to try and protect the young boy. But the armor is too heavy that David can't even lift his own arms during it. So he throws it off and goes into the battle with just a few stones in his pocket and his trusty slingshot. Now, when Goliath sees the offering that the humans have brought him, he laughs. Ah ha 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 ha! Tiny humans, is this all you can offer me? This is an insult. We will rule your land forever. But the young David speaks up to the giant. Hear you You fight with your armor and your sword. I only fight with stone slingshot and bravery on my side. I'm going to beat you, you big dope. (laughs) (laughs) And so, before the giant can even lift up his sword, David takes the stone out of his pocket, puts it into a slingshot, aims at the giant, and hits him square between the eyes. The crowd are shocked. They have never seen something like this before. And they begin roaring and screaming, Oh, the patter squad! my son, he did it, so he did. <laughs> and they are so overjoyed that they crown David king of the land. So it just goes to show that you don't have to be big. You don't have to be strong. You just have to be brave. And then you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah,
0: I love that you make David from Cork
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's it The best people in Ireland <laughs> are yeah. the Cork Is it <laughs> the true best capital of Ireland? Ireland. The two capital, bye right? mm, Rebel <laughs> County and all that <laughs> yeah. all right. So um,
0: some people who've been listening to the podcast may recognise a, a similar theme from when we talked about Lou and Balor Slingshots and hitting giants in the face <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's really <laughs> a recurring theme on this podcast Yeah, exactly, exactly I, yeah, and um, it's a, it's a fun story. I'm actually going to pause the recording for two things. I need to fix something on the computer, and there's a small dog. Ooh. So this is either going to be part one or part two of this episode.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what are we talking about? Uh. So we're on the 15th, which would have been yesterday. yesterday for when I'm releasing this, but it's a few days in the future for when we're recording it. Wobbly-wobbly, um, timey-wimey. Yes, that's the thing. We're doing a show in the National Gallery. It's actually our second show in the National Gallery. Um, and it's inspired by the works of Caravaggio and his followers. Would you like to say anything about
3: it? Yeah, so um, because we work with Shadows and Light in our live shows, and Caravaggio does that as well in his paintings. It's called chiaroscuro.
0: Yeah, and he, he actually... His, his chiaroscuro is very dramatic. It's like spotlighting. So there's a word for it. I think it's tenebrism, which, if anyone is a Dave Rudden fan, it will probably remind you of the Knights of the Bar of Dark and the mm-hmm. Tenebra, who are the villain monster things, which I'm convinced are fairies. Dave, can you confirm or deny that Dave, the tenebr- are they
3: fairies? Dave, Dave, Dave tell us. <laughs> tell us, Dave. Do you, do you know Dave too? Well, do you know Dave too? I met him once or twice uh, volunteering with the abortion rights campaign. All right, at yeah. the bars. Yeah, everyone,
0: everyone knows Dave. Yeah, Dave Rudden. Look up his books, Nights in mm-hmm. Far Dark, and he has a Doctor Who series as well. Yeah, uh, Twelve Angels
3: Weeping, which it's up for some on post awards with the Post Office, yeah. like so, book of the year or something like that. So yeah, check out his stuff. It's very
0: good. It is. It's great. <laughs> and we've got off topic again. Yes, very yes. much. Yeah. So tenebrism. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and chiaroscuro and and shadow puppets. So yeah. we they were doing an exhibition a while ago um beyond Caravaggio which was about him and his followers. Uh,
3: they had a couple of Caravaggio paintings that they borrowed like um Boy bitten by lizard which they borrowed from
0: London. Uh yeah, from London. Yeah. And then they had a couple of other by his followers and they wanted to do something the education department to basically get young people kind of interested in and they invited us, mm-hmm. and we we walked around the exhibition. We were taken in, and we some yeah. of the things were explained to we us. We got a little
3: bit of a private tour of I you know the stuff they had there and some of the stories behind it. And yeah. we took inspiration from a lot of the paintings that were there, either the stories of
0: the paintings or of the painters, or made sp- up our stories. Like, inspired, made up, yeah, <laughs> inspired by the paintings. Yeah, it was it was quite fun. It was it's different to what we normally do, which is mm-hmm. normally we, we pick stories and then tell them in our way. Mm-hmm. But this was we got to, to make stories. Yeah,
3: it was very fun actually, yeah. yeah. This time where well, it's Caravaggio again that we're representing, but it's to commemorate 25 years since
0: they rediscovered the taking of the Christ. I know. Mm. Um, the taking of the Christ is this big Caravaggio painting which was thought to be lost for ages and then they discovered a bunch of Jesuits had it. Yeah, just kinda of lying in the attic. They invited someone from the National Gallery. Over to look at a couple yeah. of paintings there, because they had sixty years before they invited this person over, they'd been gifted a few paintings by a woman who was sort of grateful for their, you know, their, their help after her husband was shot. <laughs> and they had these paintings, they didn't really know, you know, what a lot of them were and some of them they needed a bit of love and care.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they invited uh, the head conservationist from the National Gallery over. And he had this feeling that there was something behind something more behind this one. Mm. so looked into it and it was the last Caravaggio I know masterpiece and it's been on indefinite loan to the National Gallery of Ireland so if you are in Dublin go into the National Gallery take a look at the Caravaggio there's loads of other lovely paintings and the gallery is entirely free yes they do special exhibitions which are ticketed but you can go into the gallery you can walk around you can look at stay for as long as you like then go get a cup of coffee in the cafe yeah, that's have a lovely gift shop. Yeah,
3: it's one good thing about Ireland is that a lot of our museums are free. Yeah, yeah any that are owned by the public,
0: by owned st- yeah. by, mm-hmm. by the state, funded by the state, funded by the taxpayers. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you are doing one of the stories that we we made. Uh, yes, from, from I am.
3: It's a story took inspiration from. So there's there's a painting in the Beyond Caravaggio exhibition that had a man playing the flute and there was another with a man playing the mandolin and it was almost like a still life it, it was like a still life but portraiture
0: yeah and you could see all the instruments and things that they had and there was a real sense of character to the guys mm-hmm. and the way they were sort of looking out of the frame it was kind of you know the, 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 little, the bit cheeky, little, little bit cheeky a little bit yeah and we just got to mm-hmm. really we wanted to do something with these guys yeah they, they seemed like real characters
3: so um, because Caravaggio is Italian we're we decided, well, of course, they have to be Italian. So we named them
0: Francesco and Buneri. Yeah. And we decided... Th- th- there may have been a little bit of um, Road to El Dorado. Le-
3: just, just, le- a just a tad. Just a
0: tad. Yeah. And there was also <laughs> another painting in it in, in the Beyond Caravaggio exhibition, which caught my eye, which was the... I think it was called... It was a a checkers game. Yes. And it was uh, two fellows playing checkers while a woman looked on and played the mandolin. And Caravaggio himself painted a picture of uh, two men playing a game of chess while a woman was sort of looking on. And that gave us ideas. Yes. (laughs) So we had these
3: two characters and then the third with the woman. And it kind of
0: went from there. Um, And would you like to tell us the story of Francesco and Boneri? Sure. Yeah. In the city of Milan, in the
3: country of Italy, there once lived two boys, Francesco and Buneri. They did everything together. They would spend their days walking and running around the streets and especially across the Piazza di Piazzetto. But one day, as they were crossing the piazza, they saw a fantastic sight. There was a man playing the mandolin. And all the people of Naples would give him coins, for his playing was so beautiful, so majestic. And that very moment, Francesco and Buneri swore to each other that they would become the greatest musicians in all of Milan. Nay, in all of Italy. Nay, in the entire world. So that's what they did. Every day from then on, they would spend practising and perfecting instrument after instrument the majestic mandolin, the tuneful flute, the rhythmic drums, even down to the humble triangle. Ding! Soon they were grown and they found that they were indeed the greatest musicians in all of Milan. And they grew rich from the gold and the coins that the people of Milan would give to them for playing their music. Every day they would set up on opposite sides of the piazza, and play all day under the hot sun, until finally night would draw in. One day, as they stopped for a brief break, as, well, the sun was high in the sky and they were getting hungry, so it was time for a little bit of lunch, Mm. they met in the middle of the piazza. Francesco said to Buneri, Buneri, you are like a brother to me. Muneri replied, No, Francesco, you are more than a brother to me. There is nothing that can break our bonds. But that very moment, they both spied beside the basilica a beautiful woman emerging. And at the very same time, both cried, That, that is the woman that I shall marry. <gasps> No! And in their haste to get to the woman to profess their love first, they flung their coins all across the piazza, climbing over each other trying to get to this beautiful woman first. Francesco got there first and he said, Bella Donna Ciao! Oh, you are so beautiful. It hurts my eyes to look at you. I love you, I love you, I love you. And then Buneri pushed him to the side. Buneri said, no, do not listen to this cad, this knave. It is I who loves you most in the world. Your eyes are like the sparkling stars in your hair, as black as the night sky that they lie in. And then Francesco pushed him aside and said, Don't listen to this liar, this villain. I, Francesco, love you most in all the world. I will make sure you never left a finger for all of your days. You will have the finest food, the nicest clothes. And the woman said, lads, stop please well my name is Maddalena hello thanks for asking and well it seems both of you love me equally so there's only one way that we can figure out who will gain my hand in marriage you see these coins that you have scattered across the piazza and Francesco and Buneri looked across and they saw yes indeed that their coins were all across the great piazza You see how every coin has landed on a different paving stone. You will play a great game of checkers across the piazza. And whomever at the end of this game has the most coins shall win my hand in marriage. Francesco and Buneri ran to their opposite sides of the piazza. And the great game began. Francesco made a move and he took one of Buneri's coins and then Buneri made a move and took three of Francesco's. And the game went on and on for there were many, many coins as well, they were rather great musicians. This game went on for the whole day and into the night and it kept going. Every time one of them would take a coin from the other, Maddalena would take it and put it into a purse. As dawn drew near, there was but one coin on either side of the piazza. Francesco and Bune returned to Maddalena and said, "Madalena, you must choose between us. There is no way either of us can win this game of checkers. Please, my darling, please, my love, choose. Oh, oh no. Boy, you're mistaken. There has been a winner of this game. No, there hasn't. There's, there's one over this side and one over that side that's none the object of the game was not to win at checkers but to have the most coins by the end and look i have almost all of them all but two in fact and madalena held up her coin purse filled with all of their coins francesco and Beneri looked at one another and said boys 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 i applaud your efforts but Honestly, if you do want to woo a woman, you must start by getting to know her. Maybe ask her out for a drink. Talk to her a little bit. You can't win somebody's love in a game. Well, as you've both been such good sports, and I have taken all your money, how about I bring you two out to dinner? And then after that, we'll see where we'll go from there. And off the three of them went. And, well, as far as we know,
0: all three... Lived happily ever after. Yay! Yay! I love that story. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the way the puppets have been... I, I was cutting them out and I, I don't know why I did this but I originally did them so they're both doing the Italian... The Italian hand. And, and I just remember this image of when they both see her they both raise up their hand going... <gasps> and it, that just... Yeah. <laughs> that just makes me... It just makes me giggle every time. Yeah. So it yeah it's a fun it's a fun story yeah it's fun to do a story that
3: isn't depressing as well oh yeah because i i usually end up doing quite grim ones you do yeah i
0: don't don't know what that says that you're drawn to these These, everybody dies yeah
3: um so it's fun to have one with a bit of a happy ending yeah i i tend to even when i'm doing other projects and i'm writing it tends to be
0: miserable so yeah and it's um it's nice where it's a story of like the the woman the the guys are kind of kind of and yeah she sort of knows the the conventions of mm-hmm. romance and love but she knows them enough to be able to get the upper hand
3: yeah like I think the boys they have good intentions but they're they're just not clued in they're not woke
0: <laughs> <laughs> not even a little bit and she it's not that she uses the system to gain, she's sort of using the system to teach them yeah. She's not
3: trying to hurt them or trick them. Yeah, She's like, just like... I, I think yeah.
0: I, I had originally sort of had the idea of that she might just go off with all of the money. Yeah. But, um, no, she, she, she sticks around and she actually teaches them a lesson.
3: Mm. So,
0: and they learn. Yeah, they do. And they remain brothers. More than brothers. Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whether or not Francesco and Benari do end up as a couple... Mm, I don't know yeah time I ship it yeah yeah so yeah this has <laughs> been uh, the end of part one or part two we won't yes. know until I'm putting it together part x part x and we're we're actually recording from the staff room of the National Leprechaun Museum yes where Sean and I both work and both tell stories yeah um, Forever in Dublin come say hi yeah drop into the National Gallery then come to the National Leprechaun Museum Mm. <laughs> yeah. High art and low art Oh um, uh, yeah Bye <laughs> Hello, so we're returning to you You may have just heard Shannon talking about Francesco and Benary uh, We've been joined by three small dogs One of whom is making herself comfortable Behind me And one of whom is sitting on my feet <laughs> And the other is sniffing a microphone <laughs> Interesting So you, we've had two of our stories so far and I'm going to tell you uh, my story. My story is actually taken from an Italian fairy tale and is lovely and gory. <laughs> the story starts with a king. Now, this king... Mimi, me, 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 stop that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, memes.
0: Now, this king, he... Well, he was a man of great taste. But he always had to have the latest of everything. The newest. He had to have the... The newest dish, listen to the latest tunes, date a new woman. But he was in despair because there was nothing in the kingdom he hadn't already tried. He'd heard all the music. He'd danced all the dances. He'd eaten all the dishes. He'd he'd dated all the women. And he was bemoaning his lot in life when he heard something. A voice. A woman's voice. A woman's voice singing. And this was such a beautiful voice that the king reasoned well. A beautiful instrument must belong in an equally beautiful case so he decided to follow the voice and find the woman she would be his queen and he set out and the voice led him down streets he'd never walked down before to a house he had never seen before and he called out belladonna principessa caromio ben i your king am in love with you i must have you as my bride now, the king did not know, but this house belonged to two elderly sisters who made their living making pesto. Time had not been kind to them. It had taken the suppleness from their joints, the elasticity of their skin. It had left them bowed and bent. But for some reason, their voices were unchanged. Now, the two women discovered that the king was outside. They, they didn't know what to do. They, they, they couldn't go out. He, he'd accused them of witchcraft. So one of the t- sisters, thinking quickly, called it Oh, my, my honoured lord, I am, I am so so flattered that you would come to love me, but alas, I can't come out. You see, though I am very beautiful, I am such a modest maiden, that if you were to look on me, I would blush so hard I would catch fire. I'm afraid I, I can't come out. Well, the king, he saw this as a challenge. And so he began to woo this woman. He began to send her gifts jewels, exotic spices, and Well, the sisters didn't have a pension plan, so they took the gifts. But they were always putting the king off. There was always some reason they couldn't come out. After weeks of this there was only so much the king could take, and so he said, Darling, if I do not see you this day I shall die of love and the sisters worried that, well, um, could you actually die of love? If the king died of love of them was that regicide? <laughs> so the sister thought quickly, there was one part of her body that was not aged. You see, every time she made the pesto, she'd dip her finger in to taste it. And due to the preserving powers of olive oil, the fin- skin on her finger was still young and smooth. So she slipped her finger through the keyhole. When the king saw the finger, he fell to his knees. Belladonna, oh, your finger is so beautiful. It smells like pesto. Now that I've seen your finger, I must have the rest of you. And, well, the, the sister said, uh, all right, all right. Uh, I'll come to the palace, but, but only at night. Only at night, under absolute darkness, you can't open any windows, no lighting any candles, only then will I come. And the king said, of course, my beloved. And he went off to the castle to scatter rose petals around the place, or something similar. Now the this, this sister turned to her sister and said, What if he touches you? What if he puts his hand on your face? Your skin is so wrinkled, it's like old leather parchment over birds' bones. This would be a problem. She had an idea. Her skin, it was wrinkled but it was loose and flappy. If they took the skin and pulled it back and tied the excess behind her back, well then her face would feel lovely and smooth. So that's what they did. They stretched her skin, pulled it back, tied it in a lovely bow and well she looked a bit like a walking skeleton but at least you wouldn't feel any wrinkles. The old woman went to the castle, to the palace, and the king, as soon as she was inside, of course, broke all his promises and lit all the lights, opened all the windows, and was horrified. There was this ancient corpse in front of him. Horrified by what he saw, he picked the old woman up and threw her out the window. Now, as the old woman flew through the air, her skin became loose and began to flap around her, but not quite enough to make her fly. She landed tangled in a tree and began to cry because this really wasn't how she thought the night was going to go. But some fairies came out of the tree. They saw the old woman tangled by her loose skin, and, well, they started to laugh. They'd never seen anything quite so amusing. And when they'd finally calmed down a bit, they said, Old woman, you've given us such a good laugh. We're going to give you a blessing. They shook the tree, and she fell down to the ground. But when she rose up, her skin was smooth. Her youth had been restored, and she was clad in fine silks. Now, the king was having a walk through the forest trying to clear his head, regain his composure after the unfortunate incident, when he saw this young woman, this beautiful young woman, dressed in fine clothes, and he thought, now that's a bit more like it. He went up to her and said, Principessa Bella, Caromio Ben, I love you, I declare you shall be my queen, and since he was the king, that's what happened, the two were wed. And the old woman, who was now young, invited her sister to come live with them in the palace, but told she had to say to everyone that she was her aunt. No one could know they were actually sisters in the same age. But the sister kept asking, How did you do it? How did you become young again? And the well, the old woman, who was now young, tried putting her off with various things. Uh, Moisturiser. Uh, took a yoga. Exfoliation. She kept trying to put her off, but one day she was just so sick of all these questions that she said, I had myself flayed. And my skin torn off me and her sister thought, Ugh it sounds horrible. She went away thinking that maybe her sister might need to get her head examined if that was what she was willing to do for the price of beauty. But the king had been eavesdropping, and he thought, Oh you can you can take away old age by having your skin flayed? You see, that very morning he had found a single grey hair and he thought he could do with in losing a few years, so he went about looking for someone who would flay him alive. He went to the head of the palace guards. Guard, flay me alive. And the guard said, oh, very clever, your majesty. I know that's a trick question. If I was to flay you alive, I'd lose my job. The king went to the butcher. Butcher, flay me alive. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm only trained to work with animals, your majesty. The king searched high, he searched low, but there was no one willing to flay him alive. What an ungrateful bunch of subjects. But at last he found a stranger. A stranger in a hooded cloak. And he asked the stranger, Flay me alive! And the stranger said, What'll you give me? And the king said, uh, for, for every ounce of skin you cut off, I shall give you an ounce of gold. And well, the stranger thought this seemed like a good deal. So he took him deep into the woods, tied him to a tree, and flayed him alive. Now the king... This was a lot more unpleasant than he thought it would be, but he'd heard you had to suffer to be beautiful. So he gritted his teeth and bore with it, and when the last ounce of skin was gone and the man went off with his gold, he made his way back to the palace. He was oozing a little bit over the floors, but he called out to his new queen, Honey, I'm home! And when the old woman, who was now young, saw the bloody mess that was in front of her, she ordered that it be thrown out the window. <laughs> and she and her sister lived happily ever after. Yay! <laughs> so that's taken from a, uh, an Italian fairy tale called um, The Old Woman Who Flayed Herself. In the original, it's the sister who goes off and gets herself flayed and she dies. But um, I didn't like that ending. No, no, no. I think the king deserves it a lot more. Yeah. yeah. And if anyone's seen the film The Tale of Tales, it shows up in that. Oh. Which is a, a very good film uh, on some very strange Italian fairy tales. Ooh, but, interesting. Um, eating the heart of a sea monster will get you pregnant. <sighs> okay, Italy. To,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> to be <laughs> who Yeah, just, uh,
0: just, you know, <clears throat> to know in the future. And that's actually based on, a, inspired by a painting by one of Caravaggio's followers, which is of this old woman holding this mortar and pestle and this sort of greenish pestoey stuff and she's got a sort of look in her eye that she knows something you, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just reminded me of that story. Yeah, that's brilliant.
1: Yay. And now one of our favourite stories. Aha. Yes. Wait, is it this one? Yes. Yes, Yes, it's the one that I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. So this story is about a lizard called Salazar. He was a wonderful lizard and he had a big dream. Salazar, you see, lived in the time of the Renaissance, a time of rebirth and new discovery, a time when great artists created masterpieces. And Salazar, well he wanted to be part of this powerful movement. He knew that he was a beautiful lizard and he wanted his ethereal beauty to be immortalized. He decided that he was going to be the Renaissance's next top model. So off he went to Italy, where all the finest artistic action was taking place, where all the great masters of painting were fought over by patrons to capture their images. Salazar searched for a suitable artistic master, Only the most talented of painters would have the necessary skills to capture the true essence of Salazar's captivating good looks. He made his way into the studio of one artist he had heard great reports of. The man was apparently an absolute genius, although he did have a reputation for leaving works only partially completed and getting distracted by silly things like designing theoretical flying machines. (laughs) As Salazar crept into this artist's studio, he saw that the man was painting the portrait of a woman. She was pretty, but she looked terribly bored. Salazar climbed up behind the artist to examine his brushwork, perching on the man's shoulder. The artist was so immersed in his work, he didn't even notice Salazar sitting next to his ear. But the woman began to giggle at this hilarious sight. Now... Models must sit very still while being painted, and this woman knew that. She quickly suppressed her laughter and held in her amusement. But she couldn't help but show a sort of strange, half-knowing smile. The artist looked up from the paints he had been mixing and gasped. (gasps) What an absolutely fascinating expression! That is exactly how I will paint your smile! And as the artist returned to his brushstrokes with a newfound enthusiasm... Salazar slithered away. The man was talented, but he just wasn't who Salazar was looking for. On the street outside, Salazar overheard that the ceiling of a chapel in the Vatican was being painted by a passionate artist. Passion? Salazar liked that word. And the ceiling of a chapel? Perfect. His exquisite form would be admired by the masses. So Salazar scuttled away to find this next artist's studio. The man was busy preparing sketches which he would later transfer to the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. There was a model posing as Adam in the Garden of Eden. Salazar knew that he himself had a natural talent for striking poses, but perhaps he could learn some of the more classic poses from this model, if he observed them for a time. So he climbed up on the wall to get a better view. But the model spied his scuttling. He looked confused and pointed up at the lizard. What on earth is that? he asked but the artist threw up his arms in exclamation. Hold that pose, he screamed. I've just had a strike of inspiration, the finger of a man almost, but not quite touching the finger of God himself. Now that is a fresco. Don't move a single muscle now. Salazar departed the studio. This artist was far too interested in humans. He needed a painter who noticed the little things like lizards. Salazar wandered from one studio to the next, but wherever he went, he couldn't find the right artist. None of them noticed his shining talent as he posed on their walls. No one appreciates Salazar, he cried. He is a lizard before his time. He sat on a rooftop, bemoaning his lot. But Suddenly, a voice shouted out from below. I need more light! a fist suddenly punched up through the roof next to Salazar, nearly hitting him. Light! Now this interested Salazar. This was passion. The lizard scuttled inside through the fresh hole in the roof. It was an artist's studio. Maybe this would be the artist who immortalise Salazar. He was certainly passionate at any rate. Set up in the studio was an easel, and in the middle of the room was a model. He was a sulky-looking boy with a flower in his hair and and an arrangement of flowers and fruits before him. Caravaggio, how long is this going to take? I feel like you're paying more attention to the flowers than to me, and you've put a massive hole in the ceiling. That's just, like, totally inappropriate. The boy clearly did not appreciate the artistic process of this genius painting, but... If the artist paid as as much attention to the still life as the boy, well, this could be Salazar's chance. He scuttled over to the table and hid himself among the leaves and the flowers. But the sulky boy began to fidget impatiently with the foliage and yanked on Salazar's magnificent tail. No one should ever touch a lizard's tail without permission. So Salazar bit the boy's finger. The boy began to scream, waving his hand back and forth, tossing poor Salazar around until he was flung across the room and slammed into the wall. That is it, the boy cried. You punch holes in the walls. You pay no attention to me. Your studio is like totally infested with lizards. I am gone. And so the boy stormed out of the studio without so much as a backwards glance. Well, that's fine. The artist shouted after him. I've captured enough to finish this painting anyway. The artist paused for a moment, waiting until the boy was well and truly gone. It's safe now, if you'd like to come out. He knelt down in front of Salazar and held out a paint-stained hand. Are you all right, my little friend? he asked kindly. Me? Salazar exclaimed. No, I am not all right. That boy was so rude and he hurt my tail. No human appreciates me and my beauty, Salazar is a lost talent to this world. Salazar, is that your name? The artist asked with a smile. Well, Salazar, you have given me more inspiration in five minutes than a host of models in five days. I get so bored of being asked to paint pretty women and pouting men all wanting me to make them look beautiful. I want to paint life. Capture, drama and you have just transformed a boring picture of a boy and some flowers into a dramatic masterpiece. Thank you, little Salazar. Salazar suddenly perked up. I helped? I'm going to be in the painting. You, my friend, you are the star of the painting. Please stay in my studio, well, until I get kicked out for having punched so many holes in the walls. You, Salazar, shall be my muse. And so Salazar stayed with the painter, Caravaggio, and you can still see the painting he inspired in the National Gallery in London. It's called Boy Bitten by a Lizard. But if you get the chance to see it, ignore the boy. The lizard is the true star. And sound effects
0: by
2: Mimi.
1: (laughs) Yes, there was a lot of scrape in there. There was scuttling. (laughs) Scuttling.
2: (laughs) Um, we should give a a shout out to to, yes to
0: Annie of Unamused Theatre who envisioned that story originally when we were walking around looking at the Beyond Caravaggio exhibition we were all drawn to that painting Mm -hmm. and we all decided yeah the lizard that's the focal point
2: yeah Yeah, she's one of the Tales from the Shadows alum yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: and uh, you can see her work with Unamused
0: Theatre and now uh, if there are any little ears listening this might be a time to tune out Unless the big ears with you want to uh, explain some complicated issues.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one is uh, not PG. <laughs> yeah, this is
0: like a, like a thirteens plus.
2: Thirteens. Yeah. In and around. So uh, any little ears, just cover them up now. <laughs> okay. This is a story about uh, Artemisia Gentileschi. And some of you artificianados out there might know her as one of the greatest artists of her time. But you would be wrong because she is in fact the greatest artist of her time she was so fantastic not only because of her style and her form and her beautiful colors but also because of who she was and her story so she was always very artistic from a from a young age and her father nurtured that talent and as she grew older and her her style matured he began showing off her works to many of his friends and they would, ooh, and ah, and say, "Oh, she's got great promise, great potential. But generally left her alone. One of her father's friends, though, took a very special interest in Artemisia. He would uh, always make an excuse to, to come over unannounced, just saying that, oh, I just want to look at your paintings, ask if her father was around when he knew that he wasn't, and generally be a bit of a nuisance. But as the time moved on, Tassie, this gentleman, he stopped being a nuisance and started getting a lot more dangerous. He would start pulling at Artemisia's clothes, trying to lift up her skirt, saying incredibly lewd things to her when she was alone. Every time she rebuffed him, he would just try harder and harder until one day he was finally able to overpower her and he raped her in her own art studio. Now, Artemisia being a 17-year-old girl in uh, the Renaissance Italy obviously didn't have a hell of a lot of rights. But she being the amazing woman that she is, tried anyway. So she took her rapist to court. Renaissance court, a woman sued a man for raping her and then during the court trial it all came out tassi was throwing out slanderous comments he brought in an entire entourage of men to make character witnesses against artemisia saying that they had all slept with her and that she loved it but artemisia hit him back just as hard she would say what it, to absolutely defame his character say that he was a horrible man and then during the course of the trial It came out that Tassie had not only been convicted for rape before, but also he had been convicted for the attempted murder of his wife. Hmm. So, we could all see who was in the right. Unfortunately, as we know, these court cases never go as planned. And the judge, in his infinite wisdom, thought that a four-month banishment was uh, punishment enough for Tassie. Of course, Artemisia didn't think this was fair or just at all, so she thought she'd get her own revenge at him. She did that through her painting. She began painting furiously and furiously, and depicting all these images of of, of women getting their their getting one up over men. And so she came across the story of Judith and the Holofernes. Now, Holofernes was an Assyrian brute who Judith um. Seducted and and you know thought made him think that that she would you know run away with him until she lured him back into her house and beheaded him with one of her friends and Artemisia being the intelligent trickster that she is, she made Judith look quite a look a lot like her, and Holofernes bore a striking resemblance to a certain tassy as well. And this theme continued out through her, through her artwork as well. So where the courts failed her, she managed to immortalize her rapist as the massive asshole that he is for everyone to see. Yay!
0: Yay! <laughs> Yay! Girl power! Girl power! <laughs> Artemisia. Yeah. She's also featured as one of the rejected princesses. If anyone knows the rejected yes. princesses blog or book, she's one of them.
2: Yeah. Really, really fascinating story. Yeah. yeah. And
0: her, her paintings are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she does, like you said, focus a lot on themes of women uh, who are being abused by men in powerful positions and yeah. then ultimately getting their revenge. Yeah. So like uh, Judith beheading Holofernes, or... Uh,
2: oh, the elders.
0: Sp- the elders what? spying on Susanna. Yes. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. And we actually found a an art blog where they were talking about a lot of... Renaissance and things paintings. If they wanted to change something, they just paint over it. Mm-hmm. So if they X-ray things, they can sort of like see the earlier drafts. And there was one of Judith um, being spied on by the elders. But when you looked at the X-ray beneath, there was originally a much more anguished graphic. If I find the blog again, I'm going to post it on the Twitter. Yeah, but yeah. It was yeah. very striking to see her original image that she seemed to have decided for various reasons to tone down a bit. Mm-hmm. But she did seem to specialize in painting women and drawing attention to women. Yeah. And she didn't get her first own exhibition of her own work until the nineteen nineties. I know. Which oh was God. when the Carvaggio was discovered. Ah. So it all links in.
2: All links, all links
0: in, guys. Everything is connected. Yeah. yeah. Circles within circles. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a slightly different episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. If you've come to the podcast from the show, um we hope you enjoyed the show as well. Yes. And we hope to see here or read from you read from you yeah feel Mimi Mimi just walked into a cupboard (laughs) she's
1: also trying to eat my coat it's a bit disconcerting
0: if you want to get in touch with us uh, we're on the social medias on the twitter we are at tales shadows on the facebook and the instagram we are tales from the shadows am I right yes yes yes, I am sorry Uh, yes Um, and if you would bless you if you would like to support us we are also on patreon Sounds mm-hmm. from the Shadows. We have, at the time of recording, two lovely patrons. Woo! Thank you. So thank, thank you, you very much. And support means a lot to us. Yeah. yeah. You can also find some of our merch on Redbubble. Yes. From the Shadows, we have keep cups. Yes. So very important. Yep. Yeah, save the environment and support artists. the arts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so your coffee's slightly cheaper if you use a reusable cup. I just. You know it what? Today. It pays for itself.
2: Like it does. Yeah. <laughs> so um. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, you we And if you want to come see more of our shows and you just happen to miss the one tomorrow, just keep in touch. Keep yes, an eye on social media. We do a, co- a show a couple of times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we hope to see you there. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
3: Love a good spooky tale or two? Well, you must, considering you're listening to this show. Why don't you check out Malicious Mamas? Learn the origins of some classic legends like Bloody Mary or the Grey Lady and some new tales like the bathroom ghosts that haunt Japan.
0: That's Malicious Mamas, available anywhere you get your podcasts.